Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Writer. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin, and today I am very excited to join uh, to be joined by two guests. This is kind of a rarity and, a, and an exciting one at that. UFC 273 is now officially in the books. Alexander Volkanovsky defended his title in the main event. Of course, Aljamain Sterling uh, cemented himself as the undisputed bantamweight champion. And of course, Hamza Chamaya picked up a big win over Gilbert Burns. And today I am excited to welcome in two guests to help me break down all the action. Of course, right now, let me introduce, he is one of the top featherweights in the sport. He's coming off a big win over Dan Ige in his return to action. We had him on co-hosting the show before his fight. Now he's back. Help me break down some things after the fight. Welcome in, Josh Emmett. Josh, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And of course, you all know this guy. He's a regular co-host uh, going all the way back to uh, legit man shit, all the way to uh, the great MMA debate and the Fight Society podcast and everything else we've done for the last like you know 15 years together. Uh, Matt Brown, welcome back, Matt. I almost feel like I don't have to give you as much of an intro because you're just you're just like a regular here. Uh, that's fair enough. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> how many podcasts that we've done. <laughs> <laughs> like 19 at this point, I think. Uh, yeah, right. Good stuff, guys. So we're going to we're gonna talk, you know, I, I, the entire card had a lot of big wins on it, of course. Uh, I mentioned before we started recording, of course, uh, Mike, Mike Malott got a big win, uh, and it was an awesome thing. Of course, that's Team Alpha Male. That's your teammate, Josh. Big win there. Of course, also showed, shouting out Joey Rodriguez. The GoFundMe, I want to throw throw that out there as well, of course. And if you are looking for that, you can find it on Mike's Instagram page. I just tweeted out about it uh, about an hour ago. So, again, keep an eye on my Twitter as well for that. But I thought that was really cool. But we're mainly going to focus about the three main fights that everyone's kind of buzzing about in the aftermath. The two title fights and, of course, Hamza Shumayev and Gilbert Burns. And, and let's start right there, guys. Let's, let's start with the welterweight fight because that was the one getting the most buzz Going into the weekend, that was the one getting the most buzz coming out of the weekend. Hamza Chemaev and Gilbert Burns put on a freaking three-round war. Incredible fight. Hamza Chemaev ends up winning a unanimous decision, pushed further than he's ever been pushed in his career, uh, all the way to a decision, and lost a round in the middle of that. Of course, lost the second round to Gilbert Burns. So, Matt, let me start with you. This is your division. I'm kind of curious. Like, Hamza Chemaev, hype versus reality. How impressed were you with what he did on Saturday night? I was really impressed, to be honest, man. Uh, you know, Gilbert Burns ain't no joke, man. Like, you know, like every just about anybody's going to lose a round to Gilbert Burns, man. That dude's legit as they get. So I was pretty impressed with Hamza, man. I thought he did a great job. Um, I thought he showed great composure, even, you know, when they were throwing down hard. Um, 
And I was impressed with Burns too, man. So I, I just thought all around it was a great fight and perfect step up for Hamzat. Um, I mean, you got to think too, is what his fifth UFC fight, maybe six? Yeah, fifth UFC fight. Yeah. yeah, and he's already fighting Gilbert Burns. Like, that's no joke, man. That's legit right there. You cannot take anything away from Hamzat for that fight. Josh, what about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, it's uh, Hamzat. We, everyone in the UFC is good, but it was a huge step up in um, – you know, just, just technique and skill. And, and so he's going his fifth fight in the UFC. He, he hasn't really fought anyone in the top 15, the top 20. Um, and then all of a sudden he's fighting the number two ranked guy in the world and in a tough, tough Gilbert Burns. So I, I think there was a lot of eyes on that fight just because some people were, you know, wondering if he could handle the, the test and, uh, you know, if it was hype or real, but then you hear a lot of people that he's trained with um, say how good he is. So I, I don't know, in my mind, I just, uh, you know, I knew he was going to get tested for sure, but also, uh, just from his training partners, just talking so highly of him, I, I knew he was probably the real deal. And then they both put on a, a hell of a fight. Um, yeah, it was, it was a amazing performance by both of them. Close fight though. You know, I, you never know how people score those, uh, the rounds, the judges, just because sometimes someone drops someone, it'll be a 10, eight round. And I think in the second round, Hamza got dropped twice, right? So I, I was uh, I was thinking, you know, the first round, Chamaya won. The second round, Burns definitely won. I was wondering if it was like a 10-8 round, and then the third round was so close. So I, I was definitely expecting a split decision, but I, I wouldn't have been surprised if we saw another drop. Yeah, it was a, it was a war, and, you know, I, in a weird way, yeah, I think I think like if Hamzat had gone out there and just rolled through Gilbert Burns, of course I would have been incredibly impressive considering how good Gilbert Burns is. But I feel like he needed that kind of fight. Like we needed to see him walk through the fire and and not and get tested because we've seen that before. You know, I mean, I, I use Francis Ngannou as a great example. Like Ngannou came in and just demolished everybody. I mean, I was at his fight with Overeem when he knocked Overeem's head into the fourth row, and I was like, oh my god, this look, this guy looks unstoppable. Then he runs into Steven Miocic and we see, oh, he he has to go into a second round and, oh, he has to get wrestled and like all these things. And we're like, oh, well, the the, the luster has been knocked off Francis Ngannou because we just realized that if he doesn't get an early knockout, what happens? Now, of course, Francis improved, got better. And, and of course, now he's you know forced to be reckoned with best heavyweight in the sport. But I think Chimaev had to go through that. And I think if he would have just knocked out Gilbert Burns in 45 seconds or two minutes or whatever, We'd all be impressed, of course. You just knocked out Gilbert Burns in two minutes, but I think he needed to go through that. Matt, I mean, you you've been in there. You know what it's like to go through those wars and gut out a big win and come back and those kind of things. I mean, I don't know what would have impressed you more, Gilbert. You know, going out there and just eviscerating Gilbert Burns, or or do you feel like he needed to go through that kind of fight with Gilbert Burns to prove that you know the hype is real around him? No, I agree with you. It was really good for him to go through that because he's going to go through that at some point. Right. Like he's still human, like everybody. They could talk all this monster shit all they want, man. A dude's a, a human like everybody, man. And you're in there in the UFC, you know, you're you're gonna go with some savages, man. So he's gonna have another fight like that, but now he's experienced it. So I think um it was really good for him. And now if he would have went in there and knocked out Gilbert Burns in two minutes or something. Yeah, that would be freaking impressive, man. That would be really, really crazy, especially if he submitted him or something uh, like that. So I think it was really good for him. I think he's going to 
you know, as, as long as he goes back and, and takes the lessons from it to improve, man, it's going to do wonders for him. Um, but you know what, to be honest, I didn't see anything in that fight to show me he's going to beat Usman though. You know, that, that was the only, um, negative that I would have took out of that fight. Of course, you know, uh, MMA math never works, you know, but the way that he beat Gilbert didn't make me think he's going to beat Usman. Um, Colby, I guess is probably going to be his next fight uh, just for, you know, who knows, but just from everything we're kind of seeing right now. And I think that's another perfect step up test for him. And I think it's, uh, if you call it a step up, I don't know who would win between, uh, Gilbert and Colby, but, um, uh, you know, a five round fight with someone like Colby is going to show a lot, man. Yeah. Let me come back to that in a second. Josh, I want to ask you because you went through this and again, yours was under much different circumstances. When you went to the fight with Shane Burgos, you blew out your knee and we've talked about this many times. You fought with literally one leg against the guy, but you had to like gut out a tough performance and go out there and you, we all know like what you gained from that fight, even though again, the worst case scenario was you injured your knee. If you didn't injure your knee, it may not have gone past the first round. But point being is you had to go through that and you gain that. I mean, is there something to be gained from a fight like that for Hamza? Like, do you feel like maybe he gains more from a war than he would a two minute knockout? Or do you feel like a two minute knockout is always going to be better? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think like the, the longer you're in there, the, um, it's just more experience, you know, and, and you learn a lot about yourself. Um, if, if he hasn't gone past the first round and, and then obviously in the first four fights in the UFC, he hasn't even got punched once, you know, uh, he's not really, he's not really learning a whole ton. He's just going in there, ragdolling people, beating people up and making it look easy. But when you get into a, a actual fight and uh, your back's against the cage and you, and you have to fight, um, yeah, then you, you gain so much experience. And, uh, I think it's only going to benefit him in the long run. Um, because like Matt said, when he gets in there and he fights some of these top level guys, you know, anything can happen in a, in a fight, you know, with four ounce gloves. But, um, I think he's going to go through more of these, these drug out wars. And, uh, if he's been there before then he can do it again and keep, um, yeah, just keep, you know, just learning from that. So I, I think it was great, better than a, you know, just a two two minute knockout and and then he's just in the same position he's been in you know then he almost feels like invincible yeah let me go back and, to what you to add to that Davis, yeah to add to that like it, it might have even gave him a spark that he needed to because like he said he was ragdolling all these guys walking in and maybe he thought he was gonna do that to everybody and now he gets a tough fight and he's like oh i gotta pick my training up a little more you know i need to uh work a little bit harder or something you know, maybe he was getting a little complacent before as possible. I have no idea what his training is or, you know, I don't know people that train with them or anything. So I, you know, I can't speak on that, but it's a, it's a possibility that could have lit a fire under his ass, man. He's going to come out an even better version. Yeah, I agree. Let me circle back to what you were saying before about the, the Usman factor here, because you know, I listen, I think Chimaev has looked incredible, but I was, I was, I was a bit of a doubter. I picked Gilbert Burns to win this fight. Now I don't feel really wrong because Gilbert gave him everything he could handle. And I agree with Josh, you could potentially score that fight going the other way. I don't think it would be anyone that egregious saying if, if Gilbert Burns won that fight, it was close again. I don't have a problem with Chimaev winning. With if they gave Burns that fight, I'd be pissed. Like, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be, yeah. Like it was a close fight, no doubt, but Kamev won that fucking fight though. We know he lost the second round. If you gave him Gilbert a 10, eight in the second round, 
I'd be okay with that if you gave it a draw, but there's no way that Hamza lost the first or third round. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was saying that he won the first and third, so it would be split decision, Chamaya or a draw. That's kind of what I was I was thinking, but obviously yeah. they gave him the the win. Yeah, it was a, it was a great fight though, and so I again I picked Gilbert going in because I was not convinced. I mean, again, I it's not that I didn't think Chamaya was good. It's just that. The I have a huge list of resume for Gilbert Burns. I know what he did to Woodley. I know how he did against Usman, even though he lost. I know how he did in that fight. He dropped Usman. You know what I mean? I know I did the Wonder Boy and all the other guys he's fought. I was like, you know what? Gilbert Burns is legit. And I was I I picked him to win the fight. Now Chimaev, of course, looked incredible. It was a great fight. But kind of like what you said, Matt, and I want to come back to this real quick, is you said that, you know, nothing you saw in that fight convinced you who would beat Usman. Now, coming into it, I said, I, I still think Usman is the best in the world and as good as Chimaev has looked, I still don't see anybody beating Kamaru Usman right now. Now, eventually, you know, Usman will get older. Uh, you know, time catches up to everyone. Maybe that happens, you know, two, three years down the road. But right now where he's at, I just, it's hard for me to pick anybody to beat Kamaru Usman. And, and what you said right there is I agree with. I think Chimaev looked incredible. I think he looked amazing. And it was, I, I'm so incredibly impressed by his win. But if you're asking me to pick the fight right now, I still pick Usman to beat him. And I actually think Colby would be a really interesting matchup because while Colby doesn't have the punching yeah. power that Usman or Burns has, he does have that conditioning. He does have that wrestling. He has that ability to push the pace for five hard rounds. And I am very curious to see how Hamzat would do in a five-round fight. You know what I mean? How can he keep up with a guy like Colby who can press that pace? Who you know, Colby does have a good chin. I mean, not to say you want to go out there and you know get your jaw broken every fight, but he does have a good chin. I mean, we saw him get leveled by Usman in the second fight, and he came back. So, Matt, I mean, again, I'm not going to make you repeat what you said, but, again, I kind of agree with you. Nothing I saw to Chimaev. I'm impressed? Yes. Beating Usman? I don't know about that. Yeah, that's kind of my take away from the whole thing. I, you know, uh, the hype was real, but, you know, Usman – deserves as much hype as Kamayev, right? Like, like he, he's, you know, he's the best in the world right now, man. So again, I didn't see anything, but you know, again, maybe this, this might light a fire under, uh, Hamzat's ass, man. He might train even harder. He might show more stuff that we ain't seen. Um, you know, and that's why, like you said, I think, uh, Colby's the perfect test for him. And I, I hope they make that fight. I think that's the perfect matchup. Um, I think that's, you know, and if he goes out there and beats Colby, beats him good, boy, I mean, he's going to, Usman Kamayev is going to be a huge fight then, man. Colby's a perfect guy, not only in the sense of, you know, testing Hamzat again, um, a, a huge five-round fight, but also if uh, if he beats him, like, you know, the hype just gets even bigger and uh, Usman Hamzat fight is gigantic at that point. Yeah. What about you, Josh? I mean, again, you know, the sport, you understand the sport. And I know we're picking fights that are again, hypothetical and we're fantasy matchmaking here, but what about you? Where do you fall? If, if Hamzad fought Usman tomorrow, who would you pick? I, I agree with you guys. It's, it, it's hard to go against the champion, you know, and, and Usman, it just, he continues to show how good he is in each fight. He gets better and better. And, um, you know, he's a phenomenal wrestler, which is Chamaya as well, but, I, I just don't I don't see Hamzat beating Usman if they were to fight next. You know, just from what we saw in the last uh, last weekend's fight. Yeah. 
Uh, let's shift gears and talk about the co-main event. Matt, I know you're going to be fired up in this particular topic because I know you were fired up on Saturday night talking about the scoring, which was Aljamain Sterling defeating Peter Yan to uh, defend uh, his title and become the undisputed bantamweight champion. Now, I've said on the record, I scored the fight 48-46 for Sterling. I thought he won a 10-8 second round. To me, that was pretty clear. I rewatched it yesterday. I don't see how they didn't give him a 10-8. No judge gave him a 10-8 in the second round. I thought that was ridiculous. I mean, that was a completely lopsided round. And by the current criteria of scoring, which I went on Twitter and put out yesterday, and even Michael Bisping backed me up. Let me get a little bit back up here from a, from a Hall of Famer. Michael Bisping backed me up on this. I thought it was a 10-8 round, clearly. The real controversy in this fight seems to stem from the first round, though. How did you score it? Now, the reality is I scored it a 10-9 for Sterling. I don't have a problem with it being a 10-9 for Yon. It was a close round. I don't think it was like a, a lopsided round one way or the other. If anything, you could argue maybe a 10-10 because it was pretty even all the way around. It didn't really go you know, lopsided one way or the other. But Matt, I know you were pretty fired up about it on Saturday nights. Let me ask you, how did you score the fight in total? And do you have a problem with the way it went in terms of Aljamain winning? Um. Oh shit! Hold on, <laughs> <laughs> messing up on the phone. I don't know how to use this phone. The uh, if you gave the second round ten eight, I would be totally cool with that. The first round, I don't know how you or any of the judges. I love you, Damon. I don't know how the fuck you give a ten nine to Aljamain. I think that's ridiculous, man. And you know, really, what the the maybe the larger issue is here is it's, you know, it's very subjective still. And I can see where guys that have like maybe never, maybe, you know, don't train regularly or don't spar or whatever would give, uh, give that to Sterling. Cause you know, it looks like he's doing a lot. He's like moving and all this, but I think like for people that train and, and fight, we know like Aljamain's, doing terrible footwork and, and just kind of spamming strikes, the meaningless strikes. So, you know, people always bring up these numbers. Um, for one, those numbers are just people that are clicking buttons to say like, this was a strike or this was a significant strike, which is garbage to start with. They don't even know 90% of the time, but second, a lot of that, like, if you're like running away like that, that's meaningless work. Like you're just wasting your time. Jan is coming forward, trying to initiate action, trying to make something happen, working on uh, getting positions, being efficient, being intelligent. And I value that way higher than someone dancing around spamming ineffective strikes. <clears throat> but again, I think that's because I train and I fight. Like if I go into a round, I say like a sparring round or something, I mean, you, we get these guys all the time that dance around and spam, you know, ineffective things. And I sit there and just kind of laugh at them. Um, but then when people do it in a fight, these judges that really don't know nothing about training and, and fighting seem to score that higher. Josh, what about you? Am I, am I completely wrong that I scored it for Aljamain 10, nine in the first round? <laughs> yeah. Well, who, who knows, but it's, uh, I thought Jan won that first round as well. You know, just because I, I look at the rule set and it's octagon control and, and he's pressuring him like Matt saying, and uh, Aljamain was, you know, he was dancing around, not really getting, getting hit by a whole lot of things, but it, he wasn't landing like significant strikes. But I, I did give that, 
that round one to yawn and then going into the other rounds when Aljamain took him down and, and, you know, he was triangling his body and controlled him the entire time. Definitely. I gave those to Aljamain, but I was again, thinking what, what the judges are scoring that is that a 10, eight round, you know, like I would be okay with that as well. Um, just because he's, he controlled him for, you know, the remain or most of the round. And, and that was a second and third round, right. That he, yeah. Yep. He's had his back the whole time. Um, but it's like, then again, I, I feel like we need more of a curriculum or some of these judges need to maybe have some type of training experience or fights or, or whatever, you know, because a lot of times you also, some of these boxing, or I mean, these judges come from a boxing background. So they're, and this is MMA. So they're, they're predominantly scoring, um, based off of, you know, jabs and, and just punches. So it's like, I, I really think we need to, to do something, uh, moving forward. Since yeah. it's, it's funny. I went, I went through the other day, you know, cause I was pretty pissed about the scoring in my fight too, you know, and I was looking up some judges and, and I looked up their personal pages and stuff. And I looked at their backgrounds and a lot of them, yes, there were some boxing ones. Uh, but you know what I seen the most of it was like traditional martial arts people. Mm. I was like, what the fuck do they know about anything? <laughs> you know? But, it, but the point is, is it's all, it is still guys that just, they don't fight. You know, I think, uh, when I looked at, when I was scrolling through Twitter, I noticed, uh, uh the media scored a lot more for Sterling. The fighters scored a lot more for Jan. Mm. It's, it's very interesting. The people that have fought, people that train regularly, people that know, see, there's a feeling when you, when you train or when you fight, when you, when you spar around, there's a feeling between the two of you, you both know who really won that fucking round, right? Like you both, you know, there's, there's just a mutual, um, emotional feeling. Like, you know, who really won, you know, who the better guy was, whether it would have been scored that way or not. And I think that's probably how fighters judge the rounds more often. Whereas the media and, and it's not hating on you either, Damon, don't take all this uh, derogatory anything. <laughs> way. I love you, bro. But the media and the, the judges all see it a different way because they get, they've never been in there. They've never felt what those emotions are. Yeah. Let me ask this. Uh, Cause I don't, I don't have, honestly, I don't have a problem with, with round one going to yawn. It was a close round. Like I, I, I have no problem with yawn winning that round, but let's, let me ask about the second round because Okay, let's say the first round's 10-9 Peter Yan. Okay, let's just let's just put that aside. He won 10-9. Okay. That's a 10-9 round for Peter Yan. Then you look at the second round, which was, you know, four minutes and plus change of Aljamain on his back, working for submissions, gets him down on the ground and hammers him with some pretty good ground and pound for a few seconds there, where he really you know, was was really working for for a finish in that moment. Dominated four minutes, dominate on his back, not just not just a takedown on his back for four minutes, whatever it was. To me, clear cut 10 8 round. There's no there's no controversy for me there. 10 8. So at that point, we're talking about a draw, but just that 10 8. Now, the third round was also pretty lopsided for, for Aljamain, but it wasn't quite as lopsided. So I didn't score that one a 10 8. But the second round, like compared to the first, you're saying the first round's a 10 9. Okay, again, I'm, I'm okay with that. But then compare that to the second round. Second round wasn't close. It wasn't even remotely close. There was moments where it looked like maybe, maybe Sterling was going to put him away. He didn't, and and Jan survived. But I don't know. You tell me, Matt. I'll, I'll ask you because you 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 obviously felt pretty impassioned about the first round. 
10 8 in the second. I just don't see how no judge, not one of the three judges, no one gave him a 10 8 round. I'm totally fine with that being a 10 8 round. And I mean, that, that just gets into the whole uh, discussion about our scoring system all around. I mean, you know, you, you, I mean, like what we're just talking about, you, you take a round like that, you know, and it wins just as much as, well, the first round, you know, which was whoever won it, it was an Uber close round. Mm-hmm. And, but the second round, you know I mean? They're both 10, nine rounds either way, even one, even though one was completely dominant and one was, you know, relatively close. So it's, it's uh, the scoring system is, is just junk, man. And I mean, it always has been, and the judges are junk. And, and that's why they always say, don't leave in the hands of the judges. Like, like that's what we're fucking trying to do. Like I did, like I wanted to sit in there and outpoint this guy, you know? So, it, you know, that, that's a whole nother discussion, I think, but hopefully we can make it better, man. I think we just keep talking about it and, keep being vocal about it hopefully uh, something will happen yeah josh let me ask you because this has been a subject that's come up a lot i know matt talked about it after his fight uh which you know kind of ended in that same kind of controversy going into that third round i know you talked about on Ariel's show last week so let me ask you josh you know you've had obviously a lot of finishes but you've had some decisions in there you know mixed in there here and there uh where do you fall on the argument about open scoring? Because a lot of people believe, like, if you know the score going into it, you know, at that point. Now, based on the scoring for this fight, Aljamain would have been up, you know, to that point where basically, you know, no one gave him a 10 around the second, but Sterling was up. So, Jan, now granted, one judge did score Jan winning the fight, but Jan, knowing that, would that have changed his performance in the fifth round, knowing he was down on two other scorecards, meaning he would have had to get a finish in that fifth round to win the fight? Uh, I don't know. Where do you fall in the argument of open scoring? I'm for it, and I, I get the drama, and I get the argument saying that you know people would try to reserve themselves. They might try to coast to victory. I don't believe that. I, I think you know, the same thing when you say if you stop giving people win and show money, they'd stop fighting hard because they're already getting all their money. I think it's ridiculous. Like you're going to fight hard because you want to win. No fighter is going to coast to a or coast to a loss just because they know they're getting all their money. I mean, come on. That's, that's just ridiculous. But how do you feel about open scoring? I'm not saying it would have changed anything. I'm not saying it would have changed the result, but would Peter Yan have maybe taken a few more chances in that fifth round, knowing on two judges scorecards, he was down, you know, pretty, you know, I don't know. You tell me like, how do you feel about what open scoring? Would you, would you be open to open scoring or, or, or do you not like it? Yeah, no, I, I would be a hundred percent open to it, you know, because like Matt saying, I I've been in, I get so pissed at the, the judging uh, scoring because I, I feel the same way. I feel like these guys don't know what they're doing. It's like, they, they complete, it's just their opinion. You know, it's like, you could be dominating a fight for four and a half minutes. And then everyone's like, Oh, just steal the round. You take someone down, finish strong on top with some ground and pound. And then that's the last thing in their mind. So they, they score the 10, nine round for the guy that won the last 30 seconds. Um, so if there was open scoring, I, I would be all for it because at least, you know, going in, like what the judges are scoring round by round, you know, and, and that's how it should go down. It's, it's round by round. So if you see you're, you're down, then me personally, I can't speak on everyone else, but I'm, I'm always trying to finish the fight. Like I'm not ever trying to leave it in the judges score, you know, or, or their hands. Cause and no one ever does that. But, um, 
yeah, I, I would even, I would take more risks if I had to, because at the end of the day, it's either we're going to get half our, our pay, which is, uh, just based off of somebody's opinion. Um, and, and maybe Jan would have took a, a bigger risk. So, you know what I mean? If you looked at the scorecard, like you looked at any other game <laughs> or whatever you're doing, you know, who's winning, who's losing. Um, so maybe they like football. It's like, they're going to throw hail Mary's if they have, if they're down by a touchdown, and or that they're down by a field goal, they're going to get closer to that end zone so they can kick a field goal to tie or win or score uh, another touchdown. So you you have to take bigger risk, and, and I think most people would. And you're not going to coast to winning when a guy's down and he's doing everything in his power to, you know, try to hurt you and and, and take big risks. You're not just going to coast to a, a a win or a decision. So I would love to see that, you know, or at least maybe test it out and and. Uh, see kind of what happens. Yeah, I just, make for more fighting fights. Who knows? Yeah, I agree. And I just think, like I said, I just think that, you know, you know, it ain't, I, listen, it doesn't take away bad judging because there's terrible judging in the sport. I agree with both you guys. There's really bad judging. Uh, but at least, you know, I mean, you can, like you said, if you came into a third round and you're down, you know, 2018 and you're like, how in the hell did I lose the first round? But at least, you know, at least, you know, going in, the judges already got it wrong. So at least, you know, going to that third round, hey, I need to get a finish because they're already going to screw me. So I might as well at least go out there. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it's so weird to me that some people are against it. I just don't understand it. Again, I don't know if it would have changed the outcome. I don't know if Peter Young would have just gone balls to the wall and tried to get a finish. I have no idea. But at least he would have known, you know, at least he would have known going in the field. Hey, I'm down on two scorecards. Like I'm down because at that point it was over because the, ju the judges who gave the fight to Aljamain scored him winning the first three rounds. So Peter Young would have known going into that fifth round, I have to finish or I'm going to lose this fight. He would have known going into it, you know, and he, he would have known the, in the fourth round too. Right. So he, he know I got two rounds to do it. Right. Yeah. But, um, I was going to say something. So, you know, the fact is, I think it's factual that if we have open scoring, there will be guys take advantage of it and stall, and we'll have a boring third round here and there. But I'm okay with that personally. You know, it is still a sport, you know, and I know that the the crowd, they just want blood and they just want to get drunk and yell with their hillbilly friends and, <laughs> and, and all that shit. And, and and that's cool, but there's still enough exciting fights. There's still enough knockouts to satisfy all the bloodthirsty hillbillies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like th this, it's not like our sport's going to get any less exciting. There, there, I can guarantee there will be guys take advantage of it and sprint around the cage the last round. But I'm okay with that sacrifice. Um, you know, to have uh, um a more fair scoring system and also hold, hold the judges accountable right now. They read off the scorecards and you know, you have to go Google who scored it and who, uh, um, who scored what round, et cetera, et cetera. Like they should, the, the, the fans should know the fighters should know straight away right then when it happens. Yeah. Because yeah, most people are going to take the time to do all the Googling and research, right? But right there on the spot, we should know, like, how the fuck did that guy score 10-9 for him? Why didn't he score around 2-10-8? You know what I mean? Things like that. And and I think when it's right on the spot, the judges will be a little, even a little bit more accountable. 
Yeah, no. I, I think you can just keeping those judges accountable because you can see if if they score one guy ten nine, uh, and, and the other person won, you'll hear it from the fans. You know, they'll be booing them and stuff like that because we've mm-hmm. seen shitty shitty calls uh, where it goes the complete opposite way and, and everybody knows, you know what I mean? And they're booing them. So at least round by round, it'll make the judges be a little more honest as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think accountability is a big part because we just never see changes. We never see judges punished for really bad, terrible cards. They start those, take them away from working. Like I give credit where credit's due. I'm a big, big fan of Andy Foster and what he's done in California. Cause I talked to Frank yeah, Trigg, I talked to Frank Trigg uh, uh, several weeks ago. He was on the podcast with me. He was talking about like what he had to go through to become a licensed referee in, in California. And he's talking about how he had to referee like hundreds of matches at the amateur level and then work his way to pro. And the work is like Andy has a much deeper system to become a judge or referee in California. I think they're the gold standard of, of commissions in America. And of course, there's still going to be people who get it wrong. We're never going to be, it's never going to be infallible. We all know that, but I, at least, at least he's trying, at least he's trying to make these people better judges. You know, like I think he has a requirement where you have to have a certain belt in jujitsu or something to be an MMA judge, like things like that, little things like that make a difference. Um, and I, and I just wish more people would do it. And then, like I said, if you just blow a scorecard terribly bad and everyone knows you blew it, maybe not the first time, but the second time you do it or whatever, you need to be taken off. Like, don't, it's just like refereeing. Like why we stopped seeing Steve Mazzagatti referee fights is that, you know, if you're getting it wrong so often, you shouldn't be able to referee UFC fights, but I'm not saying like the, the regional fighters should just get, just get screwed, but I'm just saying like work your way back up because you clearly don't, you don't deserve to be in there. Um, the Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Again, we could talk about that all day. I don't want to keep you guys all day, but I do want to talk about the main event because this is right in your wheelhouse, Josh. This is your division. 
Alexander Volkanovsky with a completely dominant performance to go out and finish the Korean Zombie in the fourth round. I think it could have been stopped at the end of the third. I like the Korean Zombie's a legend. Uh, he became the Korean Zombie for a reason because he has an incredible chin, great durability, but he was really taking some shots there, and Volkanovski looked incredible. Of course, Volkanovski was a huge favorite. I don't think anyone is terribly surprised that he won, but this is your division, Josh. What did you think? I mean, I know we've talked about Alexander Volkanovski in the past in our interviews when you co-hosted the show uh, before your last fight. So uh, what did you think of, of Volkanovski's performance? Yeah, man, I, I think he looked good. He's he's the best. Uh, he's the best right now. And um, it, it kind of went down exactly how I thought it was going to go down. You know, he, he had the blueprint to beat the zombie. He's he's beat Max Holloway. You know, the, the first one was I, I thought he, he won that fight uh, fair and square pretty decisively. The second one, you know, is super close. Um, some people have it the other way, but then he beat Brian Ortega. And, you know, I just feel like those guys are you know, they're, they're better than the zombie, even though the zombie is a phenomenal fighter. He's been in the sport for a great, for a long time. He, you know, he's a, he's a legend, but I just, I, anything can happen. Like I always say in a, in a MMA fight, but I, I thought, um, hands down, Volkanovski would go in there and kind of just, you know, I, I thought he'd put him away a little earlier, honestly, is what I thought. Um, but, but he did well. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of went exactly how I thought it was going to go down. Matt, what's your assessment? Again, you come from a from a Muay Thai, from a striking background. I thought Volkanovski's striking, and again, you know, we can take it into consideration that maybe you know Zombie's a little more available to hit. Let's say, I mean, you get a nickname like the Zombie for a reason. It's not because you're ducking and dodging a lot of punches. Uh, but that being said, I thought Volkanovski looked crisp. He was on point. Uh, and, you know, and, and sometimes, like, you know, we know how it goes sometimes. When you're expected to win, you know, those are sometimes tougher fights because everyone's, like, grading you on a higher scale. You know what I mean? Like, if you would have gone out there and had a, a split decision win, we'd all be talking today about, oh, my God, how did you go to a split decision with the guy you were a minus 700 favorite to beat or whatever? He went out there and did exactly what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I agree, man. What is a great performance by Volkanovski and – uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to do next, man. I want to see if uh, Triple C comes back. Um, I want to see if he moves up a weight class. I want to see, you know, a lot of different things out there for him, man. So uh, I'm excited to see his future. And I love watching the guy fight, man. Um, how far, while why we got Josh here, how, how far away are you from a title shot? Man, who knows? They just keep uh, flip-flopping us back and forth. So, uh I was six. They they just put Allen in front of me after his win. So uh, who knows, man? I I think I was kind of in the talks about that that particular one when Max got injured. It was between uh, they were saying between Zombie and I, and they they went with him, which I think was a a great you know move on their end. Just because I man, I think Volkanovski and I match up stylistically. Like you're talking about in the May math, like man, that's a good good matchup for me. And we're we're so similar in. Uh, in styles that I think it makes for an exciting fight that would be, uh, you know, do the fans would be really excited for that one. Yeah. I was about to say that, you know, the matchup wise, um, Volkanovski match. The funny thing with Volkanovski is sometimes the guys that I didn't think he matched up well, with Brian Ortega, he smashed him, mm-hmm. but not smashed him. That was a fucking great fight. I just take that back, but you know, that was a, a great fight. And he, um, uh, beat him good. But man, when I think of all the people left in the division, 
Josh probably matches up better than anybody else I can think of. I mean, I can't think of who, or maybe triple C too, if he comes back, which who knows, you know, he seems to be coming back every two or three months. <laughs> so uh, I said, I'm excited to see his future, man. And, um, you know, maybe he moves up, maybe, uh, maybe he fights Josh, maybe he fights triple C. Um, he's just an exciting guy, man. I'm just a huge fan of his. So I, I just love watching him fight. Let me, uh, let me ask you this, Josh, not to like, just turn it back all on you, but, uh, you know, it, listen, we, cause we talked before your last fight, you know, we said that, you know, you're one of the last guys standing in the division who hasn't fought Volkanovsky and, and kind of earned it and, and where you're at right now, you know, being on the win streak you're on, you know, if you would have gotten a fight with him this weekend, I don't think anyone would have been shocked or stunned or surprised or anything like that. Again, credit, you know, they gave it to zombie. Okay. Good for him. But it feels like the UFC keeps moving the goalposts on you a little bit because now, you know, everyone's talking about, well, maybe it's going to be the, the third fight with Max. And again, Max is incredible. I, I, you know, but listen, I agree with you. I thought he, I thought Alex clearly won the first fight. I actually scored Max winning the second fight, but it was a close fight. I had no problem with Volkanovski getting the win. It was just a really close fight. Um, and again, that's not a robbery when it's a close fight. It was just a close fight. Uh, you know, Yair just lost to Max, you know, I mean, Calvin Cater, I love Calvin Cater. He's coming off a big win, but of course we saw him lose to Max as well. Um, you know, you're kind of one of the last guys standing out there who should be in that conversation, but then, you know, Max is there and then you got triple C and I, listen, I love Henry Cejudo as much as the next guy, but then like, he's talking about like, I don't know. Do you ever think to yourself like, man, stop moving the goalposts. Like, tell me what I got to do to get that title shot. Stop putting the other people in front of me. Man, all, all the time. That's uh it's, it's just been the story of my, my career, but it's like, I know I can compete with the best in the world. I feel like I'm the best in the world and, uh, I I just need my opportunity. And then I'll, I'll show, um, everybody that doesn't know me, my coaches and teammates, how great I am. Um, so yeah, that, that is the fight I want. It's, uh, like I keep saying stylistically, that is the best matchup for me. And fortunately he's the champion as well. So, um, you know, I, I come from a wrestling background. I feel like I'm more powerful. I feel like my, my striking is really good and don't get me wrong. He, he hasn't been beaten in the UFC, but man, you know, I, I, I just want that opportunity. Yeah. So when that means going back to Cejudo, like Cejudo, I, I was, you know, I, I like watching him fight. I, I, I liked watching him wrestle when, you know, um, you know, when he was wrestling for the Olympics and everything like that, but, I don't even think he's in the testing pool, right? So I know people, or is he? Did he get back in the testing he, he, pool? He, got, he, re, he re-entered it. So I talked to his manager last night. He re-entered okay. it today, but he has to go through six months of testing before he can fight. Yeah. I think everyone kind of like jumps ahead and says, oh, he's going to fight tomorrow. He wouldn't be eligible to fight till October, November at the earliest. Like that's the earliest he okay. could fight is October, November. Okay, so that that's the one thing. I, I know he's just like trolling a lot of people, but when he's saying he's coming back, I'm like, I don't even think he, he couldn't until now, obviously until November, like you're saying, if he just entered the testing pool. Yeah. So let me ask you, Josh, real quick, with that being said, I mean, again, you know, Volkanovsky just fought, uh, in my, in my mind, and I say this in honesty, whether you're on the show or not, I really do mean this. If you got a title shot tomorrow, I don't think anyone should complain. I think it'd be a great fight and I'd love to see it, but I'm being realistic in terms of what the UFC is going to do. They're, they're going to make you fight again. We all know that, you know, that's just the way the world's going to come out, whether it's Max getting the next shot. I think they're going to give it to Max. Uh, and again, you know, I'm, I'm not terribly disappointed, even though you know he's 0-2 right now, but I love Max. I think Max is a legend and, and I'd love to see that fight again. 
hypothetically, you're going to fight again. Let's just throw it out there. Uh, I know like a guy like Bryce Mitchell had mentioned your name and, and that's fine, but I think it's got to be you and a higher rank guy. And I listen, Arnold Allen looked great in his last fight. I'm fine with that. I think that would be a, a natural number one contenders fight considering you guys are both on win streaks in the division. Brian Ortega's out there. Yair Rodriguez is out there. Calvin Cater's out there. What, what does make the most sense for you in terms of what's next? If it's not the champion. Yeah, and that's one thing I, I was talking about. Um, they were trying to make, um, I think, Max and I fight, um, but, you know, he's next in line for the, the title fight, so I think he's just going to sit back and, and wait for that, and, and I can't I can't knock him for that. I, I would probably do the same thing. Um, and then they mentioned um, Bryce Mitchell and re- really whoever. It's like there, there's really nobody that I wanted to fight in March or April, and then no one would accept a fight against me. And so, so who knows, really, I'm, I'm just sitting back and, and waiting. Um, you know, they're trying to make people coming off the of wins and they talked about Yair and Ortega fighting each other. Um, so I was like, there, there was Max and then there's Cater and then they just moved Allen in front of me. And then the only other person is uh, Bryce Mitchell. Like you said, he's coming off a win, um, but he's behind me. I, I would like to fight up but we'll see what happens what they uh what they offer me I, i've been i've been waiting for a while yeah matt you know what that's like you you understand that waiting game and the the kind of politics that play into it you've been there you know that uh it's frustrating right like it sucks when you're when you know you're there and it's just like you're not getting the matchups you should be getting or, or again like i said they keep moving the goalposts on josh with like you know oh well triple c's coming back and oh what about this what about that i'm like uh, it, it can get frustrating. I, 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 I understand how it can be. Yeah, well, I, I sort of know how it is. I will, I probably made the mistake of never waiting. I probably could have waited and got better matchups and closer to the title and stuff. But, um, you know, it's a different time period now. You know, back in my day, it was like, not that I'm like some old timer or anything, but, <laughs> you know, a few years ago, you know, it was like, you just fight, man, and, um, and that's not hating on no one for waiting. You know, I think if that's absolutely a better move. I, I would say, if anything, I made uh, uh, poor poor decisions in deciding not to wait. Cause, but whatever, I fucking love fighting, man. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things, even with uh, you know Shelby and stuff. To this day, every I've done the same thing, and it's like maybe I should wait back. I should sit back and wait, but I feel like. I'm not getting any younger. I want to stay active when I'm healthy. And so I've, I've said yes to every single fight he's asked offered me, no matter what, if it was people behind me in front of me, like he can contest to that. Even if I've heard people say that I got, they got offered to fight me and I turned it down. I was never offered that fight. Then I've said yes to every single fight. And it's within the, that day I get offered probably within the first few hours, I think about it and I'm like, let's do it. So it's, uh, and I, I probably should have sat back and, and turned some things down that, you know, the Stevens fight when I was going to fight up for a, a title eliminator and then that didn't go through. So then they offered me Stevens. Maybe if I would have, you know, things could play out different, but it's, it is what it is. And it's like, you know, I had a setback and then I, I worked my ass off to get back to where I'm at, but now I just want those big fights and, and those big opportunities. Yeah. So now That's you're... Why the, the UFC loves people like us, man. The, like I, I'm the same as Josh, right? They call me. I don't even uh, like Sean calls me and I say, okay, period. Like, you know what I mean? He, and he knows it. He doesn't have to like, yeah, there's, there's no uh, question marks. He, he already knows before he calls me, 
he's calling me to make it formal. You know what I mean? Uh, they, they love people like us, bro. And that's the same thing that I always thought, you know, I've like, he knows, so he'll, he'll reach out knowing that no one will take it. And then they'll call my manager mm -hmm. and then he knows I'm in, like I've said yes every time. But then I, I also think, cause I sit back and I'm like, do they love those? Yes, men. Or like, but I feel like it hasn't paid off for me yet. So I'm just like, fuck, come on. <laughs> you know, well, I, I mean, they love it as in it makes their job easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's uh, it is. It's it's a, it's a tough situation, and I I, can't, I don't want to. I'm I'm not doing this like insulting your past opponents, Matt. But I remember one time I talked to you about a fight that got made, and you said something to the effect of, "I can't remember the guy's name, but yeah, I said yes." Like <laughs> just like that's that's the Matt Brown way. I remember that asked you one time. I was like, "Did you? Are you fighting this guy?" You're like, "I think so. I don't know whatever his name was." I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's well. That's probably been many opponents. I, I mean, before the UFC, I, I would go fight. You know, I didn't even know the opponent until I got there, you know, but, you know, the only reason I know them now is because they're on TV and stuff. But, you know, that's uh, whatever, you know, the, that's uh, we're fucking warriors, man. That, this is what we do. You know, I, I say it all the time, man. We're just at least for me. And uh, I imagine Josh feels the same way. You know, I'm just I feel grateful and blessed to live this life that I live, man. If, it, if we were born 20 years earlier, you know, we wouldn't have had this opportunity. So, or maybe 30 years at this point, but. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Josh, real quick, before I get you out of here, I know you said you wanted to fight March, April. What is it looking like now? Cause uh, of course they're booking fights into the summer already. We've seen some fights booked for June and July. Uh, what are you looking at? I mean, it sounds like you're ready to go. So I can't imagine you want to sit much longer. Yeah, no, like, yeah, I wanted to fight as soon as possible. I, I just want an eight week notice. Like, honestly, if, if I'm going to take a, a short notice fight, um, and it's a huge opportunity, don't I'll take it no matter what, even if it's not ideal, but if it's going to be more risky or I'm just going to fight more people behind me, I just want at least like seven, eight weeks. You know what I mean? So I can be at my best. Um, because if I take a, a fight on like a three week notice against a huge risk that it does no good for me, besides just to make a paycheck, um, I won't be at my best. So that, that's, that's all I'm asking. Just give me seven, eight weeks, possibly in June, um, would be great. Um, I, I should actually hear from my manager today. They've been, uh, talking to Sean and, and Hunter and all those guys, what they're, uh, what they're going to do with me just because, you know, I've, yeah, we're just trying to find a fight. Yeah. I hope save it the podcast for later, Damon. You would have got the scoop, man. I know. I should have done this like four hours job, from now. I would have got the scoop. Uh, well, I, like I said, I, 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 whatever happens, I hope it's a big fight because I really do believe, you know, you're you're at worst one or two wins away from a title shot. I mean, again, I don't think anyone could argue right now, but just look at the lay of the land. I know how the UFC does. I'm going to say at least one win, and I hope it's that kind of fight that would get you there. I would love to see you fight Max. I think that'd be a great fight. Uh, but you know, whether it's Max or Arnold Allen or, and again, I have nothing against Bryce Mitchell. I just, you know, he's behind you in the rankings. I think, you know, it'd make more sense for you to fight an Arnold Allen or, or a Max Holloway or a Calvin Cater, even, you know, to kind of earn that title shot, but that's just me. Uh, whatever the case may be, I look forward to when you're fighting again, Josh, you know that. And of course we'll get you back on the show as we uh, finally get your opponent and can talk about your fight, Matt. Uh, we'll do this again very soon. I'm sure. Uh, always good to have you back on the show. And, uh, I always laugh because, uh, Josh, real quick. Go ahead. Did anybody ever tell you 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 sound just like Lance Palmer? I sound like Lance Palmer? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, you train with him, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I keep thinking I'm talking to Lance on the phone. Here, really? 
<laughs> I guess I'm the first. Lance is Lance was out here in Columbus training with you not too long ago, wasn't he, Matt? Yeah, he just went out for um, Vegas for training camp. But yeah, we train together all the time. Yeah, he's got the PFL starting up again, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. Well. Guys, thank you so much for doing this. It was a lot of fun. I really do appreciate it. Uh, we'll have to do it again. Like I said, I wanted to kind of do more of these roundtables for these kind of big fights, and it's just fun to break things down with. Uh, as you said, Matt, the fighters know more. I'm not going to lie to you. That's why I have you guys on to break things down because, again, that's how I learn. So I uh, appreciate well, you guys you doing this. fighter versus writer. So I had to argue with you on something, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, listen, it's okay that I was right this time and you were wrong. I mean, that's okay. It's okay to be that way. But, you know, just so you know, I'm just throwing that out there. So, you know, just... You, know, well, you just, said you were right. I was, I was right. I mean, I, it's okay that I'm right this time. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's okay that I was right this time. But you know, it's fine. You can, you can, you can think <laughs> yeah, otherwise. Yeah, yeah. You can think you'd be wrong, but you can think otherwise. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I feel like. Here, I feel like you just said there wasn't no no wrong answer though. <laughs> well, here's the you here's were the thing. About you're round to, one, you're like you're, you're like there's no wrong answer. Now you're saying you were right. Here's the here's the real thing. Matt lives ten minutes from my house. If I really got something wrong, Matt would just come over here and smack me for it. So you know that's the reality of it. So, uh, guys, again, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. We'll have to do this again, Josh. Hopefully next time we talk, you get a fight booked, uh, Matt. Of course. Always good to have you on. I'm sure you'll be back on here uh, proving me wrong soon enough uh, before anything else. So, uh, guys, thanks so much again for doing this, and uh, we'll talk to you both soon, okay? All right. Cheers, All right. There you, guys. There you go. Matt Brown, Josh Emmett, a big thank you to both of them for coming on the show. Cannot say the thank you enough for both of them. This was fun. Kind of a different experience doing it with uh, two fighters on the show. Uh, it's called Fighter versus Rider, so why not have two fighters versus a rider? Uh, good stuff here. Uh, appreciate everyone tuning in as always to the podcast. We'll be back next week with more uh, from the fallout this week. And of course, we got Vicente Luque taking on Bilal Muhammad in the main event from the UFC Apex. So stay tuned for that one this week. And we'll be back next week with more fighter versus rider. Of course, always check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, over on MMAfighting.com. A big thank you once again to Matt Brown and Josh Shimmer. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. See you then. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.